0: From Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network, this is North Mollywood, I'm Alex Papadimus, and sitting across the table from me, the 11th guitarist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, from that period where they had 13 different guitarists, pre-Dave Navarro,
1: Molly Lambert. Hey everybody, welcome back to North Mollywood.
0: What was it like when you found out that Dave Navarro was taking your your job away, after you won that contest...
1: I couldn't be mad because uh, he's a beautiful man, and I respect him. And uh, I kind of like airplane, the song. <laughs>
0: I kind of, I, I kind of do too. Yeah,
1: everybody likes that song. Uh,
0: yeah, I have, I have a one hot minute. I have a soft spot for one hot minute. Me
1: too. It's the uh, the last the last great moment after blood sugar, sex, magic. Until now.
0: Until now, of course.
1: Now is the great moment.
0: Yeah, there, there's an everlasting now for the Chili Peppers. There's an everlasting shirtless moment that goes on forever.
1: Uh, and so is there for us. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, we took a week off to marinate in our thoughts and prepare for this moment. And now that we're here, boy, do we have stuff to talk about.
0: <laughs> boy, is this a topic-rich episode? <laughs> I have. A, I went to New York to have an incredibly awkward moment to bring back for this podcast, a cherishably awkward moment. but. I think we need to talk about this, this being a nature show. I feel like we need to talk about the insect kingdom. I understand that you are...
1: We are pivoting from the underwater world into the microcosmos of insects who make the underwater world seem just like very non-threatening in comparison to how terrifying insects are. And I, I want to understand them because I don't like feeling that they're so alien. Um, I want to learn to relate to them better and I'm trying but they are trying to attack my home. The ants is what I'm talking about specifically. Uh, Every summertime there are always ants who come in and try to get into everything and I feel bad for them because they just are seeking water because it's the drought is making them I think extra thirsty. Like all of us.
0: Your house is a thirst trap.
1: My house is a thirst trap. But I don't, I don't know what to do because I, I hate killing them. But I have to do it. It makes, makes me feel very conflicted. You know, maybe it's because of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, probably. You're always like, what about the tiny things? Like, don't step on those. But you, it's you or them, kind of. And I also was saying, like, it's very scary that they march in a line like it part of how organized they are makes me feel you know like oh they're obviously of superior intelligence so it's it's evil of me to to murder them but it's even scarier when they disperse and are not in the line anymore like when you when they see you coming and you start to break up the ant parade and they like scatter in all directions and it's chaos that is like the scariest thing because then it's chaos and you're like oh i miss the parade now
0: but now they can be anywhere.
1: Yeah, they can be anywhere, and uh, I just just want us all to get along. Also, it's very scary to look up photos of what ants look like in close-up from the face.
0: Yes, don't do that. Don't do
1: that, because then you're like, oh my God, you're like a little puppy that has antenna.
0: I mean, they're gross, though. They communicate by vomiting in each other's mouths. Yeah, but like, right? what like, do we you know do? That, right?
1: That's what this is, right? It's <laughs> with podcasting. That's what is. Podcasting is.
0: <laughs> it's just podcasting <laughs> no, is like. I
1: like they're a matriarchy. They have a queen. I respect that a lot. Um, it makes me really sad. The thing that makes me the saddest and feel the guiltiest about killing them is when they like carry off the dead then i'm like oh this is like a civil war for them <laughs> they're like oh my brother <laughs> i'm taking him home
0: but they're not going to bury him in like the family crypt they're going to eat him like aren't they I mean, oh i don't know i feel like they're <laughs> going to eat him they're going to eat him for food sur- surely
1: i thought they were just going to bury him in the family crypt maybe the family anthill
0: I hope there are people out there who are getting their nature information solely from this podcast <laughs> and then flexing it in an academic environment of some kind.
1: When the aliens come, they will uh, know only about what we talk about on this podcast for their nature information.
0: That is a scary thought <laughs> that's, that we're representing our, our whole our whole species to the, to the planet.
1: That's how I feel when I kill the ants. I'm like, oh, I'm representing my species and look what I'm doing.
0: You need one of those Ant-Man helmets that Paul Rudd has that allows you to talk yes. to them and explain what you're doing. Be like, listen, you have to, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I
1: need to be a mant so that <laughs> I can relate to them on their own level.
0: Not all mants. Not
1: all mants are evil. Um, well, this has been Ant Corner, which is a regular segment we do on North Mollywood starting right now.
0: And also a part of Molly's apartment.
1: And also a part of my, my apartment in the movie Joe's Apartment. An MTV Films film <laughs> that you may remember.
0: I remember about it. About
1: man and bug warfare.
0: The open invitation to Jerry O'Connell to come on this Jerry podcast. Jerry O'Connell
1: is my internet friend.
0: There you go. Uh,
1: he's part of the, the Glass Bricks Club uh, t- who tags photos of glass bricks for me to look at because that is a thing I do on the internet. I post a lot of photos of glass bricks.
0: And Jerry O'Connell is like, I went to a Sliders universe once that's entirely made of glass bricks. Exactly. Where people are used as uh, they're in uh, the openings and walls.
1: Oh, that's the scariest thing (laughs) that you just said. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) No, I'm serious. You just described my worst nightmare.
0: It's a world Uh, where it's glass bricks who collect mollies.
1: No, there isn't. Oh, my God. There was an anime I saw as a kid that scared the hell out of me. And then, like, as an adult, I used the Internet to find out what it was, which somehow worked. And I found out it was uh, Unico and the Island of Magic, which is the sequel to the original Unico, which is about a cute little baby unicorn. And Unico and the Island of Magic begins with a terrifying magic spell. Somebody coming in and doing like a Pied Piper thing that turns all of the adults in town into block people, and then the block people start assembling themselves into a wall. And then Unico the unicorn comes and helps to undo the spell. But this like imprinted on me so deeply of like the scariest thing that can happen is that your parents turn into bricks and then are used to build a wall.
0: There's a lot of that, like the pa- the the parents in uh, Spirited Away turn into pigs, right? Yeah. there's all those like the people are. That's, that genre Anime has is very, a lot
1: of like, like psychologically frightening concepts. That's what makes it so good. Yeah, it has stuff where you're like, oh, I can't unthink about that now that that's in my repertoire of fears. Yeah,
0: it's a very oddly <laughs> specific dream image. So I'm going to scary
1: have. to think about. Um, so yes, this has also been part of molly's ant and architecture corner
0: terror corner terror corner generalized terror corner this is
1: a podcast about what i'm afraid of <laughs> which is most things
0: uh the thing i am most afraid of is moments of interpersonal awkwardness and oh. we're going when we return i will share one with you and we can talk about it great i, I need i need some guidance Hello podcast listeners, Alex Papadim from MTV news here to let you know that the individual MTV podcasts are now available through iTunes a la carte, which is French for of the cart. Obviously we'd love you to subscribe to all of them and leave five-star reviews about how they've changed your life and stuff. But if you're already subscribed to the MTV feed and you want to keep drinking from that fire hose, you should be all good. We appreciate your support in whatever form it takes and we don't want to tell you how to live. All right, so I was in New York City last week. Uh, me and Mukta Mohan were both there. We're doing some podcast business. Um, here's the thing about New York City as opposed to Los Angeles, as I think you know, uh, you run into people on the street. You have that, those run-ins way more often. You're just, for some reason, it's an island. You're just all walking around, bumping into each other.
1: I wanna say this isn't true, but I know for a fact that it's true because every time I go to New York, I run into people everywhere.
0: I mean, I run into people on the street here, but it's just it's, hard, it's less likely, right? I it's, run
1: into people here, but I also go to, like, three places. So I see the people that I see at those places, and I consider that running into them.
0: Yeah, the pe- but here it's like, whoa, fancy, literally, like, fancy meeting you here. Yeah. Although it actually made total sense. So um, I was outside of the MTV offices uh, in Hudson Square talking to uh, MTV and the MTV Podcast Network's Amy Nicholson, who was in town. And we just run into each other in front of the building. I was on my way to the airport. Was sort of talking about the fact that I was on my way to the airport, and someone who I also know who works in the building. Sort of, there's like a two. The two people are like are in the same building as MTV. There's another sort of organization in the same building as MTV. Uh, That guy works there. Uh, He came walking out. I know this guy's name. I've known it for years. I've known him for 10 years, probably. I met him 10 years ago, and I've sort of known him, and I've never sort of had trouble with it. In this moment, as I'm talking to Amy Nicholson, I am, like, my brain is flooded with the fear that if I introduce this person by name, I'm going to get it wrong. Like, I'm flooded with, like, a very specific, like, whatever the neurotransmitter for doubt is Just floods my brain and it's as if like I'm I'm like I cannot run the risk of saying this guy's name even though I know it because I will say it wrong and he'll look at me weird and I will be sort of like I despite knowing him I'll be like yeah this is Jeff and like he'll be like my name's not Jeff and it'll be incredibly awkward and weird. Luckily I'm thinking there's a way around this sort of conversationally, there's a thing that you can do, which is, which, I, you know, which you've probably done when you don't remember someone's name, it's probably happened before, you introduce them to the other person whose name you do know. So you're like, hey, have you met, uh, do, you, uh, do you know Molly Lambert? And then the guy will go like, yeah, hi, oh, hey, Molly. I'm so-and-so. I'm so-and-so, pleased to meet you. That's what's supposed to happen.
1: He didn't say his name.
0: He did not say his name. You were
1: like, oh, this is Amy. And he was like, oh, hi, Amy. I was
0: literally like, hey, do you know Amy Nicholson? And he was like, hi, Amy. And then he was like, here's the thing. He's like, I think he knew what was happening. Oh. Because then he was, like,
1: he was like, hey,
0: Amy, I'm mm. a person.
1: Then he was like, hey, Alex.
0: It was really weird. Okay, so like that's the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wait for it to happen. I wait for that to sort of to you know for the introduction to happen and then it just doesn't happen because uh, you know, uh, and like, then did
1: you look at Amy like th- say what is your name?
0: I'm like, and literally Amy, no help. No,
1: no help from Amy
0: Nicholson. Just like just like, a conversational oh, eccentric.
1: Yeah, everything's great.
0: Just rolling through just being like, so do you know you know do you have any stories about Alex? have you know Did you him think of
1: like the guy's first letter of the name because that's usually what comes up? Oh to I me. knew
0: see, here's the thing. you I knew, knew his name. I knew his name. You just
1: weren't sure.
0: I knew his name the whole time. And I was not... There was something about it where I was like... And then once I had sort of had this happen, then how do you sort of recover? Then it was almost like... you
1: can't recover. No. Now now you've just thrown doubt into the whole 10-year acquaintanceship.
0: Yes. It's one of those things where it seemed like I'm Mr. Big Time. (laughs) I've met so many people (laughs) that... I can't keep them all straight.
1: I also do the thing where I overintroduce myself to people on the off chance that they don't remember meeting me or forget my name. You know, I'm always like, oh, hey, I'm Molly. We, we've met before, whatever. Uh, and people are always like, yeah, I know. We've met before. Uh, like, so- they're offended that I th- think we haven't met before. And I'm like, no, I'm just doing you a solid in case you don't remember who I am. I'm giving you extra information. <laughs>
0: I, I have heard this about you. I've heard this, I've heard this complaint from people who otherwise think that you're lovely. That I've heard this is that, the, yeah, they're like, yeah, I've met Molly eight times.
1: Yeah, but I just, what, you know, what if they don't know that they've met me? Or what if they're like, who, what's her name? Oh, I hope she introduces herself. I just figure it's better to err on the side of over-introducing than to assume everybody knows that they've met you before.
0: yes. That's uh, that's like exactly one of the but like because you don't want to be like that person who's like yeah obviously. yeah
1: obviously you know I know yes, uh,
0: you know whatever everybody it is. should wear
1: name tags all the time obviously how about I'm
0: that? Stanley Kubrick you don't need to you know like, <laughs> whatever that is but then it's you never know how to do it it's like then when you you know if you've ever met a famous person they introduce themselves to you like by their first name like yeah it's and like, you're like, you know, like yeah I like, know hi I'm Dwayne yes we know you're the Rock like we've met like it's just <laughs>
1: If The Rock introduced himself to me as Dwayne, I would be so happy.
0: I met The Rock, and I don't remember how he introduced himself. It, it was not as The Rock. He wasn't
1: like Mister The Rock.
0: Mister Rock.
1: <laughs> hi, I'm Mister The Rock.
0: I'm the. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was, it was post. Uh, he was he was becoming Dwayne Johnson. What do you think
1: The Edge does? Do you think he's like, hi, I'm I'm Mister The Edge? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> what's his name? What's his, what's The Edge's first name? What, does Adam? he Adam. Yeah, no, that's Adam. Is it Adam? I would not know the edge's first name. See, I,
1: that's what I'm saying. If you met that edge, you'd be like, "Yeah, you'd be hey, Amy Nicholson, this is my friend. He plays the endless guitar.'"
0: I mean, I hope it. I hope her, her name is Amy. I've been talking, I've been introducing <laughs> her that way. No, so it's a really awkward thing. And so, I mean, basically, like my question in that in this moment, like clearly, like I was not. You know, I was I'm not covering myself in glory by telling this story because I kind of I was allowed my own anxiety in a weird moment to overcome me to the point that I created an awkward situation. And
1: then a hole opened up in the earth and you just fell into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like those things you just you feel like you're dying when that's happening. Like, <laughs> I literally felt like I was dying. But what I want to know is like because then what happened uh, is the the guy whose name I didn't say. Proceeded to not hold up his kind of implied end of the bargain where you're supposed to be like, well, hi. Like he immediately sort of he allowed the, the the you know he printed the legend. He allowed it to just go like himself. I think you and just abandoned
1: unnamed. ship at that point. You're like, nice to see <laughs> you. Back to this other conversation I'm having.
0: Seriously, you're Gotta like, look go. at that dog. <laughs> just run <laughs> or something. But I'm saying like, who who made the bigger breach of the social contract here? That's what I'm asking.
1: Oh, um, who's more at fault? Um, I don't think anyone's at fault. This sounds like just your average uh, failure to follow the rules from everybody. I think a good thing is to just call everyone buddy. <laughs> and then you never have this problem. If everyone is just, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy. Uh, what up,
0: bro? Yeah, exactly. But you can't introduce. This is my friend. This is my bro. Like you can't, it's, you know, you can't introduce that way.
1: I say, like, oh, have you met my friend? And then I kind of, like, trail off. Like, maybe they'll say their name in this obvious pause I've created.
0: So I should just, yeah, P- I'll just, I should just be like, Amy Nicholson, this is the guy behind the That's guy. That's
1: right. This is the man.
0: It's the man right here. This guy runs this whole building. You want, you want anything in this town? You want anything done in this town? You talk to this guy right here.
1: And he'll be like, what's my name? I feel feel like people rarely call you on it. People are rarely like, you don't know what my name is, even though that's the subtext.
0: I'm really glad that doesn't happen because there's a lot of situations where I actually would be, I don't know.
1: Social situations are just a minefield. (laughs) Who knows what can happen when you venture off the internet and into the world.
0: This is why we should communicate by vomiting and (laughs) chemicals into each other's mouths. That's what I'm saying.
1: They know what to do. Uh, Speaking of people whose names everyone knows, uh, (laughs) Alex and I have both embarked on the majestic journey that is uh, O.J. Simpson Made in America, the ESPN 30 for 30 five-part documentary about the life and times of Mr. Orenthal James Simpson. Uh, We are both on episode, we both are up to episode two, finished episode two.
0: Yes, we're both current with episode two
1: are current with episode two i'm into episode three but i promise not to talk about it no spoilers no spoilers um if you thought that you had enough information about oj simpson after watching the people versus oj simpson you were wrong
0: or if you wanted the people versus if you the thing of the, the end of the people versus oj simpson you were like i wish that was longer yeah if you were also, like i
1: want the annotated yeah this is the annotated version yeah
0: I want the sessions. I want the B-sides.
1: And it provides a lot of backdrop that is sort of baked into the fictional show. But, you know, you knew if you lived through it, but maybe would be new to you if you didn't live through it. And um, a lot of stuff about the L.A. riots and Los Angeles in the late 80s and early 90s, a topic very dear to my heart
0: in like vast historical context. That was the weird thing yes. was li- finding out that like, I didn't realize that Daryl Gates had been the police chief from like 1971. Oh yeah. That it was literally like, he was the police chief after like, the, the, like when like Doc Sportello was like active and then like he was also the police chief in 1992. Like it's like, it, the, the, he, the, he spans eras that I had no idea. He was like that he long. He
1: is frightening.
0: Yeah, that was, that I would not really seen any of the sort of archival, like, all that sort of, like, all the historical context that it gets into was really sort of, even though you know all of it, but, like, just seeing that brought to bear as, like, this is what led you to this point.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, not to be blase about it, but I was a little bit like, yeah, yeah, I know, we know about most of this stuff. It was a little bit like um, the Scientology documentary in that way, where it was like, this yeah. is, this will blow your mind if you don't know about it already. But I, I just love all that archival footage and, you know, and the stuff about the sort of late 60s stuff about placing O.J. in the context of like this extremely political civil rights minded time. And then O.J. is like the man apart who is like, I, I don't think about stuff like that. I just play my football. And he didn't isolate himself from all of that. Deliberately at first, right?
0: It makes the case that he just kind of missed it because he was at USC. I don't think it makes that, that case. World. I think
1: it makes the case that he did deliberately choose that pass that everybody, you know, he was in San Francisco. He Got could out have of gone Petro to Hill, Berkeley yeah. and that he, ch- you know, made the choice away from the politicism of Berkeley towards the sort of apolitical rah-rah football of uh usc and i think it also makes a good point of like you know all the the interesting stuff happening in the 60s was probably a very small part of most people's lives which were probably very boring and regular uh and focused around things like college football um but it's a i don't know he is a fascinating person um and it is a good documentary. Yeah,
0: this is like, it's what you don't get from the show is kind of... Because the show, I think we talked about this when we talked about it in the first episode, that like by casting Cuba Gooding Jr. and kind of shooting him in the way they shot him, like they reduce the kind of magnetism of yeah. OJ, right? Like it's about, he's not the most important figure. Yeah. He's shrunken sort of... Well, I had version. watched
1: before the, the People vs. OJ Simpson was on, I watched um, a documentary called The Secret Tapes, which had a lot of the stuff that's also in... Uh, Made in America, which is about sort of, like, just O.J. defending himself, and um, he comes off like a very charming sociopath, because he is always very, like, he's on always, he's kind of, like, you know, he's very, he sounds very convinced of everything he says, he doesn't sound like he's lying, he sounds like he believes very strongly that, like, he's the victim, and, like, Nicole wanted to hurt him, and, like, really... She's at fault here. And the way he says it, it's like he's very, he's always smiling and, and doing this sort of pitch man thing. Uh, and that is the most terrifying thing, I think, about him that the show didn't really get across it was just sort of like, oh, he was charming. And he was once extremely handsome as a, as a youth. And people have been doing stuff that he wanted them to do for a long time at that point, And he was not prepared for that to end. Uh, as Why Would You Be. Um, the thing I really want from the documentary that I feel like I haven't gotten yet, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, is that uh, I want to know more about Nicole. And I feel like all these documentaries and shows sort of... I feel You know, the OJ's show, the fiction show, made a choice not to include Nicole as a character in flashbacks or anything. But, you know, I was thinking, like, oh, you really you see these photos of Nicole Brown and get this sort of like Laura Palmer feeling from seeing the photos of like, oh, this is a woman who is dead and had a life and her life has been overshadowed by this famous asshole that she was married to. Um, And I was like, have I even ever heard her talk? Like, do I even know what she sounds like? Like we all know what OJ sounds like, but you know, what does Nicole sound like? And then they played one of the 911 tapes, and I was like, oh, that's when I've heard her talk.
0: It's the only time. But I've yeah.
1: only heard her be like scared for her life. And I feel like there must be footage of her just goofing around that I haven't seen. And I would have expected it to be in this documentary, and it was very minimal. There's like a one shot that I've seen of like Nicole sort of like joking, joking about something at a party. But even then, it's like with all the the context you're like, oh, she is afraid for her life at all times underneath whatever social facade she has.
0: That's I guess that's the problem, is that they get defined
1: by you know, the these, thing that in, happened in to them, death, they
0: get defined only by yeah.
1: Well, that was her whole problem in life was that every, you know, everybody was focused on OJ and what OJ wanted and needed at all times. So I was kind of hoping the documentary would provide a corrective to that, as like she was a person with her own hopes and dreams, and it's a little bit like her hopes and dreams were quashed by OJ's desires at all times. And there's a guy who talks about going to O.J.'s house and how he just had like photos of himself everywhere, how there are no photos of his family, just like, yeah, this, this guy seems really into himself. He's got like this big kind of Andy Warhol painting of himself, like over the fireplace and just photos of all his accomplishments. It's just, he is a weird person.
0: Is that weird to have an Andy Warhol painting of yourself? (laughs) I feel like I might hang that up.
1: I think Paris Hilton might have a big painting of herself in her house. I don't think it's that weird to have a painting of yourself in your house, but maybe uh, in the context of after you murder somebody, it might seem a little bit like you are a self-centered person if you only have paintings of yourself. It is a crazy documentary. There's, um,
0: there's a lot. And you will, I mean, we, we, we talked about this before, uh, you will have moments when you are like weirdly attracted to O.J. <laughs> Like, I can't really say it any other way. I am weirdly attracted to O.J. as I watch this. I'm sort of like, you know, I always knew that he was very handsome, that he looked like a superhero. And that was part of why he he was famous. He didn't by the time
1: he was on trial. But when you see the footage of him in the 60s and 70s, he really is like all-American hero guy. Yes, and he, you can and and they talk a lot about how he was like obsessed with being specifically an American hero
0: my my favorite zone for O.J., because it started we were talking about this I was like if he still had if he had he has a mustache as a young man for a second like it's, it's all young men try out the various facial hairstyles
1: it was this the early 70s or late 60s everybody yeah. had that mustache
0: he had a little mustache if he'd kept the little mustache that was my question if he had kept the little mustache would he be in jail for murder like would he <laughs> looked would he have looked guilty I
1: think anybody with a mustache would probably be more convictable
0: because just, people it, it think it mustaches are sketchy it just is but then when he grows the beard and when he's like 22 it's when he's on the bills and he gets in his early days of his pro football career he's got a beard he looks like like hey drake's been mixing all days in the <laughs> studio like he's really focused on making the new drake record he's so good looking with the beard i was like i, I think like
1: some people the beard suits them when when Drake shaved his beard off recently, everybody was like, Put it back on, put it back on. Yeah, no,
0: it's it's disconcerting.
1: Um the
0: question for I have for you things tend to go in threes, cycles kinda of happen in threes. What could possibly be the third act for the OJ revival? Like is there some oh what's the next I
1: have an answer to this. Go for it. They're gonna do Chloe Kardashian's uh paternity test. Is like as a as a plot line for Kardashian's the show.
0: You think that's going to happen or is yeah, that Yeah, I think
1: that's going to happen. I think they've had that in their pocket the whole time. It's like, okay, when we run low on things, we can always do the paternity test where we find out if OJ is Chloe's real father, which is a rumor that's been around forever. I don't think he is. I think the Chloe does have a different father than the other two Kardashian girls who were fathered by Robert Kardashian. I think her father is the bodyguard who you have maybe seen pictures of who looks just like chloe yeah who chris said she had an affair with um but it's kind of a fun question because you're like who else did chris have affairs with during that time period that could possibly be in this mix um and i think that the kardashians are not afraid to exploit the oj connection for further shenanigans
0: so your answer is a very special Kardashians that's kind of like a Mama Mia, except one of the dads is OJ.
1: Yeah. And the other two dads are the bodyguard and Robert Kardashian. And those are your choices. Oh, my God. It's going to happen. There Mark my
0: words. Marked. Uh, thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks, everybody. Uh, tune in next week to find out If Alex's real father is O.J. or Robert Kardashian.
0: They're all my dad. My two dads. My
1: three dads. (laughs) This episode of North Mollywood
0: was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at MTV Podcasts. And subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.